Once again, good morning, VRBC. You joining us online and you who are here in person, it's, uh, it's great to be able to uh, open God's word together. We are in week four of a five-week series on uh, the life of Simon Peter. We're calling it Rocky Road. Uh, Peter's name means rock, but his life was a rocky road, and that's a comfort to us because we face ups and downs as well. And so far in this series, you know, just in the last few weeks, we've seen Peter walk on water, which is amazing, and we've seen him sink, which is not so amazing. Uh, and we've seen him deny Christ, which is heartbreaking, and we've seen Christ restore him. And uh, this morning, uh, as we open up to uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, we're going to see Peter begin to live into his identity. We're going to see him stand on the rock of Christ and his truth, uh, stand on that foundation, and and help the church navigate a really important moment, uh, something that we want to call the aha moment. And to get us thinking about aha moments, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite things, and that is dad jokes. I love dad jokes. Uh, Just ask my kids. Now, you don't have to be a dad to tell dad jokes, uh, and you don't have to be a dad to appreciate dad jokes, uh, but I love dad jokes. And just to, I mean, if you've never heard of a dad joke, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. And so, uh, we'll, we'll put this one up on the screen. How do you get a country girl's attention? Anybody know? A tractor. <laughs> Attract her. Okay, 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 let's try another one. Uh, what did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies, that's right, supplies, yeah. Now, to me, as, uh, as an MVP of dad jokes, uh, uh, the, to me, my favorite part of a dad joke when I'm telling it is kind of waiting for the payoff with my kids. And the payoff is either an involuntary laugh, which is like, I don't know why I'm laughing at this, this is so dumb, uh, or it's a deep groan. And, uh, and I'll take either. I love both uh, kinds of reactions. And I think what I also love is not just the reaction, but I, I I kind of love the moment right before the reaction. When you say, a tractor, what, what? Oh, a tractor. Oh, so so I, I like that moment of confusion and then that aha moment when the clarity comes in place. I love that shock of recognition. I love the I get it moment. Now, just to set your mind at ease, the sermon's not about dad jokes, okay? But, but it is about the moment when our faces, when our understanding go from confusion to I get it, I understand it. Only we're talking about that, that aha, I get it, that aha moment of understanding God's profound ways and God's profound presence among us. And so this sermon is for you, whether you've been following Christ for 60 years or whether you're exploring Christianity, you're just kind of kicking the tires. Uh, this sermon is for all of us. And so I want us to take a look at a moment in the life of the early church, which is kind of the big aha moment. It's the big reveal. Uh, it's called Pentecost, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to the church. Uh, and by the way, this coming spring, uh, in May, we're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday, as so many churches do around the world. But, but, but this morning, I'm just going to give you an eight-verse slice of the big pizza of Pentecost. It's Acts chapter 2, uh, and we'll begin reading in verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. 
Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people, who've just experienced the Holy Spirit, are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God bless the reading of his word. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if you're hearing that passage, especially for the first time or if you haven't heard that passage in a while, that there is that look of confusion on your face. It's, uh, what did all that just mean? Uh, uh, there's some guy named Joel, and, uh, you know, these people are not drunk, and, and fire, and blood, and sun, and moon. What, what in the world is going on? And, you know, sometimes I, I like whether it's in a sermon or whether I'm just reading the Bible by myself. Sometimes I like to just read it a couple of times. And oftentimes, the first time we read through Scripture, there are a lot of questions in our mind. But then when we come back and again and again, uh, the Lord begins to kind of put the, the puzzle pieces in place. And so what I want to try to do is, if this is a jigsaw puzzle, I want to put the, 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 the edges. I want to give you some context so that we can look at the key pieces in the middle. And so uh, the first thing you need to know is kind of the when question of when all this is taking place. And there are two numbers from the standpoint of when. There's the number 10 and the number 50. I'll start with 10. This experience in Acts chapter 2, the descent of the Holy Spirit, takes place 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. Right before he ascended, he told his disciples, don't scatter, stay together. And in essence, he was telling them, you be the kindling stacked together, and in a little while, I'm going to send the fire of the Holy Spirit. So 10, 10 days after Jesus ascended. But, but another important number is 50. Pentecost means 50th. And the Jews had a, uh, an annual festival where they would, they would gather and they would celebrate 50 days after Pentecost. They would celebrate two things. They would celebrate the gift of the harvest. So it was a time of gratitude for all God had given them. But they would also commemorate the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And if you remember that chapter in Old Testament history, there's a lot of pyrotechnics. There's thunder and smoke, and, and, and there's this great gift, the gift of the law. Well, isn't it interesting that in God's timing, the, the new Pentecost is a harvest of, of souls, people that come to faith in Christ, and the receiving not of the law this time, but the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that is kind of the win. Now let's talk a little bit about what is going on. You have this church, the spirit has come down, the wind is blowing through, uh, the spirit is like a wind blowing through, and everybody has these like flames above their head which symbolize the, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And then people begin to prophesy, we'll talk about that in a, in a moment, what that means, but they begin to prophesy, and they do it in a language that is understood by their hearers. And people are walking by and they're going, hey, these are, 
These are Galileans. These aren't Phi Beta Kappas here. How in the world are they speaking all of these international languages? And there's a big kind of a confusion going on. And in this, in this gap where everybody's trying to figure out what in the world is going on, uh, in this wonderful gap, Peter, the rock, steps up. Now, there have been times, as we mentioned, where Peter has been more like a sponge uh, than he has like a rock. But here, Peter is stepping into that gap, and he's bringing a word of clarity. He's helping to bring about the aha moment. And he does so in, in the, the uh, to me, the heart of what he has to say, he does so, he describes the aha moment in three simple words. Three words that any first grader could read in a first kind of chapter book. And those three words that uh, describe the aha moment are this is that. This is that. Maybe you're saying, huh, what, what, this is that, uh, what are you talking about? Okay, so remember where we are, we're in, the, we're in the, this little moment uh, between the powerful wind storm of the Holy Spirit and people trying to figure out what's going on. And so Peter steps into the gap in verse 14, and, and look what happens. And Peter stood up with the 11, the other 11 disciples. He raised his voice kind of to get everybody's attention. And he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. The fellow Jews would be those who've, who've come from all different uh, countries for the Passover festival. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. So... Um, isn't it interesting that last week we were talking about Peter denying Jesus? Last week we were talking about people saying, hey, don't you, weren't you hanging out with Jesus? And he's like, no, never met him, never seen the guy. And now the Holy Spirit is filling him and he's stepping up to point to Jesus. And if we were to read the, the whole sermon that he preaches, it's, it's all about Jesus at its center. And so he, he gives, I think, really what is a, a great description of what happens when the word of God is preached. He says, first of all, the preacher has a role, so let me explain this to you. With the help of the Holy Spirit, let me make this truth clear and plain and, uh, and understandable. And then the listener has a role. You listen carefully. You ask the Holy Spirit to help you listen to uh, what, what the Spirit is, is saying. So he stands up, and, and, and then he says, uh, you listen carefully, and then he says, guess what? These people are not drunk, as some of you said. He's like, it's nine in the morning. Uh, you know, who sets an alarm uh, to get drunk? No, 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 they're not, they're not drunk, he says. Uh, but there, there is a different kind of intoxication going on. And to explain it, he gives that three-word phrase. This is that. I'm taking that, by the way, from the, the King James rendering of Acts 2, verse 16. He says, they're not drunk. If you want to know what's going on, he says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. What, what Peter is going to do is he's going to connect the dots of spiritual experience. This is that connects the dots of God's holy activity among us. And so what I'm about to say next, 
I think it would be helpful for you if you could just, uh, if you have a photographic memory, then just take a mental snapshot. Uh, if not, if you have a piece of paper, uh, just to, to draw out this little graphic. And if you want to, they all start with holy, and so if you wanted to say uh, scriptures, and then spirit, and then spontaneity. Those are the dots that I think Peter connects for us, and that's really the, the kind of map of where this sermon is going. And so just write that down real quick. You know, holy scriptures, holy spirit, and holy spontaneity. This is that. So what is the this? The this is the holy scriptures. Holy scriptures. What Peter wants us to know is that God's ancient word is still speaking to us. You see, the first thing that Peter does is he quotes from his Bible, he quotes from the Old Testament, he quotes from the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, the, the Spirit inspires Peter to find a passage from the prophet Joel. If you've ever read the book of Joel, one of the minor prophets, you know that Joel ministered at a time when the people were facing an environmental crisis. That was a judgment from God. There were uh, all these locusts, and the locusts were destroying the harvest. And, and, uh, and, and Joel warned about a day of judgment coming, a day of the Lord. And he called upon Israel to repent. And, he, and, and Joel basically said, don't make this some kind of you know, religious show, some kind of uh, you know, overt, fake uh, overly religious show. Don't just rend your clothes, rend your garments. He says, rend your heart. Truly repent. Truly confess your sin to God and ask for God to do something powerful in your midst. And then toward the end of Joel chapter 2, there is this prophecy. And that's what Peter quotes in verse 17. He quotes uh, from the book of Joel, and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then look what, what happens. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Peter has an epiphany. It's one of the things that happens when we're reading scripture, and, and, and the scripture comes alive. And so Peter remembers this passage while he's experiencing the, the, the descent of the Holy Spirit. He remembers this passage in Joel and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't God say that in future days there was going to come a time when God was going to take, this is my paraphrase, this gigantic Kool-Aid pitcher of the Holy Spirit and just pour it out on, on his people? Didn't God predict that? Well, guess what? As we just saying, it's the same God. The same God who predicted that in his word is now fulfilling his word. It's coming true. This that is in scripture is that. You know, th this that is, that is happening among us is that that was promised for us in scripture. And notice, as John Stott says, it's not a drizzle. Uh, it, it, it is a downpour. The spirit of God Poured out. And when that happens, guess what? All kinds of people will prophesy. Now, when we see the word prophesy or prophecy, sometimes we think of the futuristic prophecy, which is certainly uh, throughout Scripture, uh, what some people call you know, like uh, a foretelling the future. But I think the basic meaning of prophecy is, is making Jesus known. It's foretelling. It's telling forth the truth about who Jesus is. And when the Spirit comes, guess what? Everybody 
starts praising God and focusing on Jesus. They prophesy. What Peter is doing is he's connecting the dots between ancient scripture and what is happening among us. When I was working on my doctorate, there was a Baptist theologian whose work um, influenced me. His name was James McClendon. And, and he used to talk about something he called the Baptist vision. He spelled Baptist with a lowercase b because he wanted it to represent not just you know, one denomination, but people who read the scripture in the same way. And, and he said one of the sig- most significant moments in the Baptist movement, the Baptist vision, is reading scripture, ancient scripture, and looking for how that scripture comes true all around us. This is that. So we begin with Holy Scripture, and then we move, secondly, when we're connecting the dots, to the Holy Spirit. Not only does God's ancient words still speak, but God's Spirit still moves among us. What God promised comes true in the present tense. These people are not drunk with wine, Peter says. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to put verse 17 back, and I want to add verse 18 to it. So just to get that momentum in the last days, Peter's quoting from Joel. God says he's going to pour out, not drizzle, but pour out his Holy Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Why is this so significant? Well, I want you to think back for a moment to the presence of the Spirit in the Old Testament. Now, the Spirit is is clearly in the Old Testament. In fact, the very first verses, the Spirit is hovering over uh, the chaos at at the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 1. But usually when the Spirit filled individuals, there were certain limits in the Old Testament. Like usually it just happened with leaders, maybe a, a king or prophet or a priest. Usually it just happened with men, by the way, not women, boys, or girls. And then usually it was just for a short period of time. The Spirit would fill a a leader for a short time, and then the Spirit would depart. The Spirit would come, and the Spirit would go. But now, Peter says, something brand new is happening. What's happening? The Holy Spirit is falling on all kinds of people. Uh, on, on, on uh, you know, men and women, boys and girls, sons and daughters, um, not just leaders, servants as well, all social classes. They, too, are filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see this even as Jesus is coming into the world. There's a woman named uh, Anna who prophesies in the temple when baby Jesus is brought to the temple for the first time. Uh, We see it when Mary Magdalene becomes the first witness of the resurrection to the disciples. We see it in Acts 21 when an evangelist named Philip has four daughters. In Acts 21, 9 says all four of them are prophets. What's happening? Peter says this is that. This that is happening right now is the movement of the Holy Spirit that Scripture promised us. It's almost like you know those law and order shows where the, 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 the plots, they say, are ripped from the headlines. Uh, well, it's almost like Peter's saying what's happening right now is ripped from the headlines of Scripture. We're seeing Joel chapter 2 lived out among us in the present moment. 
Now, there are things in this passage that it's hard to find a one-to-one correspondence with. We do know that Jesus came and did signs and wonders, and so did his apostles and disciples in the book of Acts. We, we do know that his blood was shed on the cross. We do know that the sun turned dark when he was crucified. Uh, you know, as, as far as the moon uh, turning to blood, and maybe the, some of these things that are prophesied are more about the coming day of the Lord when Christ comes back. But here's what we do know. Our opportunity is to connect the dots of the Holy Spirit uh, working in Scripture and working in our world. And, and I, want, I want you to hear me. This is why I think this is so important, because sometimes I think in the church we suffer from passivity. We suffer from a kind of collective low self-esteem. What do I mean? Well, maybe a, a woman says, well, you know, I'm not a man and a lot of my Role models for teaching God's word have been men, and so I just don't think the Spirit could ever equip me that way. Or maybe a teenager says, well, I'm not an adult, and so uh, I'm just not sure the Spirit could ever speak through me. Or maybe somebody says, well, I haven't been to seminary. I couldn't find Beersheba on a map, uh, so I guess the Holy Spirit could never speak through me. And we sink into this doubt and passivity and, and, and low self-esteem. And Joel says, and Peter says, that God has chosen to pour out his Holy Spirit on the whole church. Everyone who trusts in Jesus gets the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, it's like Peter saying, you get the Spirit, you get the Spirit, you get the Spirit, you get the Spirit. The Spirit is falling on all of us. All of us who profess faith in Christ. And this is our chance to grab a rain bucket, right? And, and, and catch the Spirit and to share the good news of the, that the, the Spirit inspires us to tell. This is that. The that of Scripture is coming true in this moment through the movement of the Holy Spirit, but also through our obedience, or what you might call our holy spontaneity. Our proving the fact that the promises of God in Scripture still work. You see, I think one of the most beautiful signs of the Holy Spirit at work in individuals, at work in the life of the church, is a kind of spontaneity. It's this joy of the Lord that bubbles up. It causes us to experience his strength as we praise him. It's the celebration of of worship as we lift our voices together. Uh, it's the, the proclamation of the gospel as the gospel was being proclaimed, as the gospel was being prophesied by the, the disciples in Acts chapter 2. It's, it's what we see Peter doing as he rises to preach, as he connects the dots for people. It's this holy spontaneity. It's this holy, spontaneous obedience to the word of God. I find it interesting that in verse 21 it says, in everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise from Joel. And now Peter is saying this is that. That's in verse 21. You drop down 20 verses to verse 41, and what happens? 3,000 people call on the name of the Lord in this holy spontaneity of faith, and they're saved. And boom, the early church is born. It's the aha moment. 
this is that. Then is now. The promises of God still hold true for us. Same God. The Spirit is still active. Same Spirit. The opportunity to trust is still before us. It's the aha moment. A friend of mine named Ethan uh, has co-written a book, and, and he talks about um, one of the signs of the Spirit is spontaneity. He says that Jesus memorably describes the Spirit in John chapter 3 as the wind. Jesus says the Spirit blows where it will. What does that mean? It means we don't control the Spirit, but we can harness the Spirit. We can't tell the wind to blow this way or that way, but we can raise a sail, can't we, and harness the power of the Spirit. We can follow the lead of the Spirit. In the same book, he talks about um, one of the, the, the best metaphors of the Spirit is improv. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, we're doing improv with the Holy Spirit, and uh, we ask a question, and the Holy Spirit sets us off on a whole new storyline, and we follow, we keep up with the movement of the Spirit. So what does this look like? Well, I want to suggest one way we connect the dots is just as we read Scripture. We read Scripture not as a dead book, but a living book. And as we read it, we ask the Holy Spirit to look over our shoulder and kind of say, hey, did you see that? Read that phrase again. Think about this. Think about that. Let's connect that, Larry, to your life. Let's look for opportunities to, to spontaneously obey through the strength of the Spirit what the Scripture's leading us to. Uh, share just a little story about this, how this Happened for me a few weeks ago. I was reading uh, the parable. Remember the parable where uh, there's a wealthy ruler and there's a guy who owes him an unbelievable amount of money and it's time to kind of go to debtor's prison and the, the debtor says, oh, please, please give me, a, give me another chance and the, the wealthy ruler just forgives all the debt. Remember what happens next to that debtor? Remember what he does? He walks out. He sees a guy who owes him pocket change and he beats a guy up. And, and in the parable, it's like, you've just been forgiven all this and yet you're gonna beat this guy up for a tiny debt? When I read that, friends, it was like one of those this is that moments. And I started thinking about how I regularly come to Jesus for this whole scale bailout of, 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 of my sins. And then there are these little annoyances that I can't let go of with people around me. Suddenly those words were not just ancient words. They were contemporary words. They were prompting uh, uh, humility and confession and forgiveness. This is that. And then is now. I long for more aha moments in your life and in my life. I long for more connecting the dots between scripture, the movement of the spirit, and our spontaneous obedience. I was thinking about um, one of my favorite saints, a guy named St. Francis of Assisi. I'm hoping to see uh, where he grew up in not too many weeks. And uh, uh, St. Francis was a, a rich teenage playboy and he ended up going to war. He had these dreams of, uh, of um, success, and he ended up being captured, and he was a, a POW, and all of his dreams of battlefield glory died. 
And it was in the midst of that, when he was finally released, um, that he had this amazing experience with Jesus. He, um, he, he ducked into this half-ruined chapel, um, and he gazed up, and there was a, a crucifix, Jesus, uh, picture of Jesus on the wall. And he had this sense that the, the Spirit was speaking to him. The Spirit of Jesus was saying to St. Francis, repair my ruined house. Repair my ruined house. And he thought that meant physically. And so uh, he started moving cinder blocks around and started kind of working on physical repair of that little chapel. But then it began to dawn on him that know that, that Jesus was talking about the church. And he began to learn this deeper meaning of this spontaneous walk with Jesus. And so much of his life is just kind of spontaneously giving up wealth to follow Christ, to pursue simplicity, to find joy in God's goodness. One day, uh, I love this story in particular, one day Francis is walking along and he sees what was a common sight in his day. He saw a victim of leprosy and as you can imagine, uh, what would your reaction be? The, his reaction was, well, I don't want to catch that uh, and I don't even really want to get near that person, and so his reaction was to get a little nauseous and to run, but, but he had a moment where he began to remember scripture, that what did Jesus do? Jesus walked toward lepers instead of running away, and so he walked toward this leper, and he embraced the leper, and he kissed the leper, and in this spontaneous moment of obedience, he began to realize that God was leading him to those that other people rejected. And he was discovering a beauty. What had seemed bitter to him before, now through the Holy Spirit, was sweet. That was then. Jesus embracing those that others turn away from. But for Francis, the that became this of his daily life. The then of Christ's ministry became the now of his obedience. Friends, I pray for us an aha moment where we connect the dots. His word, inspired by his spirit, read with the power of his spirit, becoming active in our lives with great joy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how we thank you that we worship the same God. How we thank you that ancient truths can come true in the present moment of our lives through the wind of your spirit and through the obedience that you call us to. Lord, you say that everyone who calls on you in faith will be saved. And we thank you, Lord, for your salvation. And we pray, Lord, for your continuing strength as we connect your word to the present moment and as we follow through in joyful obedience. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you for the goodness of your spirit. Thank you for the goodness of this present moment of worship. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.